Sacred Pause with Jessica Winderl. Hello, friends. Welcome back to the One Sacred Pause podcast. I'm your host, Jessica, and I'm really excited to record today's episode. Uh, This is the season finale of season four, episode 12, and I'm doing a solo episode. The topic I'm talking about today is really living your legacy and and leaving your legacy. And what does that mean? And how do we do that? And why why does it matter? Why should we care? It's been an interesting season. It's, you know, I've loved every topic and everyone I've spoken with, and yet it's a weird time to be putting content out into the world (laughs) during so much uncertainty and and unrest. And um, it's been kind of hard for me to commit to this podcast this season, not because I don't love it, because I absolutely do, but just because my mind and my energy have been in so many other places and and I'm pregnant. Um, I'm in week 32 right now. So there's been a lot of other things going on and trying to figure out what I'm up to. Um, That being said, not to worry, season five is absolutely happening and it's gonna launch later this fall. I have some really amazing people lined up and I feel like I'll be coming back really strong with some some clear, powerful content. Um, I've been using this time during the, the shutdown or the lockdown really to hibernate, as all of us have been forced to do, uh, but from a creative perspective, really turning inward and allowing myself to be still and quiet for long periods of time so that I can hear the messages coming forth from my heart. And that really plays into today's episode a lot also. When I'm doing these solo episodes, I always give myself time to think about what am I called to talk about? I don't just pick a topic and be like, oh yeah, okay, let's just um, all talk about teaching and ethics. (laughs) Okay, now let me put together some material to talk around that. Rather, I just organically allow it to come up and and, and when I feel passionate about something, then I know I'm ready to speak about it. Rather than my mind leading, it's my heart that leads. And this is something I really have trained myself to do and try to live my life that way as much as possible. So it's allowing intuition to shine the light on where I wanna go and what I wanna do And this is also the same process that I use for me personally uh, when I select themes for my yoga class, when I come up with workshops that I want to teach. I don't teach that many workshops anymore and, and I certainly don't teach that many classes publicly anymore. Just because I've evolved as a teacher, I've evolved as a human and where I'm putting my energy and the types of projects I'm working on behind the scenes. (laughs) I have a lot going on behind the scenes and and it's super exciting for me. Um, And so I can't, I have so many things I can't wait to share and things will be unfolding. But what I do is I'm not pushing forward from this place of like, oh, okay, I have to teach that. Rather, it's oh my gosh, where am I feeling this this spark of excitement around a topic? And when I feel that spark, and oftentimes it comes to me in the shower or when I'm out walking my dogs, all good creative ideas do, then I'm like, oh yeah, absolutely. This is what I wanna teach. 
And that's what happened for this week's episode. I was kind of struggling. I was like, gosh, I don't know what I want to talk about. I don't feel like I have anything that's really burning on my mind. And then all of a sudden I was like, oh, <laughs> living your legacy. Absolutely. That's what each and every one of us is thinking about right now, whether we know it or not, whether we're putting it in these terms. So I think this episode is actually incredibly timely and very, very relevant to my audience and the people who are listening to this podcast. That's you. <laughs> so I do, I have a lot to say about this. And for those of you listening, I really encourage you to maybe allow yourself some space and time after you listen to this episode to jot down some ideas or clarify some of the values for yourself that are really important. And it doesn't have to look pretty. It doesn't have to be in the boxes. It doesn't have to be the specific type of exercise, although there are plenty you can find out there. Um, I mean, this does sort of also dovetail into Dharma, but not necessarily. Uh, I think living and leaving our legacy is something that we have more control over, uh, how we choose it and what it looks like and really just what we want it to be. And sometimes Dharma comes from a place that's beyond our control. So we'll leave Dharma for another day. <laughs> Although I'm, I'm sure a lot of you guys know Dharma is one of my favorite topics and I love to explore it, but not now. So what does this idea of living your legacy or leaving your legacy mean? Typically, in the past, uh, leaving a legacy has really referred to money, to property, to fame, to fortune, to prestige, to uh, name recognition, and building up this prestige. Like, oh, so-and-so, my, my father was this, my grandfather was this. There's this building named after me at the college. And people would consider that to be the legacy. Um, and so it was only really available to people who are rich. And the idea of legacy now has really been reinvented for the modern times. And I think it's just so empowering. And when we reframe the idea of legacy, it's not about money at all. <laughs> it's about values. It's about who we are as a person and a human. And it's about how we show up in the world. And taking control of our own narrative without just sitting back and like, oh, well, some people get to live their life the way they want to and other people don't. Um, and so now when we're talking about legacy, it's more in the present. It's more about who you want to be now versus just leaving your stamp on the future and what you leave behind when you're gone. <laughs> How depressing is that? If, if your goal is to leave something behind, or if your entire goal is just to leave something behind for when you die. <laughs> like, okay, well, uh, we're here for a while. <laughs> Might as well enjoy it. Might as well uh, make, make some use of our energy and our capacity and our heart space. So it reminded me as I was thinking about this topic a little bit, I dated this guy in college and I asked him one time, I was like, what's your biggest fear in life? And I was thinking he might say something like 
snakes or being in a car accident or something like that. And he thought about it really hard. And then he was serious. And he's like, he's like, I'm absolutely terrified that people will forget me once I die. And it really, it was like a strange response. It was super serious, which was fine. But I was kind of like, whoa, <laughs> okay, that's kind of dark. You're really, he was 18 at the time. Maybe, maybe he had just turned 19. I don't know. Um, but for a, a teenager still to be so worried about what was going to happen when they died. And, you know, now I can look at it and see that maybe that wasn't quite what he was so worried about. I think maybe what he was worried about was actually his own mortality. And he was actually more afraid of death than what he was saying would happen after his death. And I don't know. I mean, I, I have no idea. I'm just projecting a little bit here because it was such a strange answer. And, and I think part of it maybe for him had to do with his family and I don't know, but that answer always stuck with me because I didn't understand it. And I still sort of don't because why, why aren't we more worried about our life now? Uh, The reality is once we do physically leave this earth and leave this incarnation of our meat suit, our humanness, after some time, naturally, we will be forgotten. And the people who love us the most will keep us alive in their memory for as long as they can, photos, stories. But I mean, within a generation, each and every one of us will be forgotten to some degree. Um, You know, I know I, I talk to my parents and I try to ask them questions about their parents and their grandparents and and relatives I've never met. And it's so hard to get a picture or an idea of, of who they were or what they looked like or what their essence was. And that's just the reality. And that's fine. History moves on, things (laughs) happen. And that's why it's so important to really live for today and live for your life and creating the life that you want to live and being the type of person that you want to be. And that's one of the things I find just so incredibly sad is when people don't feel like they have the freedom to be themselves or they don't feel like they have the freedom to live their life with authenticity, with color, with flavor. Too many people are caught in this trap of living their life for others and making decisions based on what they think other people want them to do or how society tells them to be. And that's what makes me really sad is, you know, when I hear of people or I meet people and they're in their 40s or their 50s or even their 60s sometimes, and they're just like, hmm, yeah, you know, life's okay. Life's hard. And that's all they have to say. Because that has been their experience of life. And I think when we are presented with alternatives, when we are around other people who are working hard to change that narrative and to take back their own power in terms of saying, well, yeah, we do have to fit into certain rules within society. We do have to pay our taxes. We do have to obey the laws. We do have to do certain things. But within that framework, actually, we have a lot of freedom to decide who we are, to take 
power in our choice and to stand up for our choices. And that took me a really long time to understand and then also to put into action. I, I talk a lot in my training, well, not a lot, I would, but I, I talk in my teacher trainings about how my early 20s was a really painful period in my life. Um, and I've, I've done a lot of work around it and I've thought a lot about it and I continue to think a lot about it. Why was it so painful? What was going on? How did that shape me? And the conclusion that I've come to is I wouldn't trade that period of my life for anything, but <laughs> I certainly wouldn't want to relive it. Uh, because the lessons that I learned from that, I think, really paved the way for me personally in terms of my connection to the concept of compassion and my deep desire to connect with other humans on a very human level and to see beyond initial judgment or initial mm, superficialities, I guess. And for me, what happened in my early 20s was, I would say, gosh, I don't know, maybe 1920 to 23, 24. And then guess what? Then I found yoga. <laughs> and, and that was no accident. You know, we always say that the, uh, the student finds the teacher when they're ready. And I was ready at that point. I'd been through the fire and I had started doing the work already of inquiry and and trying to unravel some of my behaviors and my thoughts in this deep sense of loss and unmooring that I had. I just, I felt so lost in myself. I felt so lost in my life. And this was a period in time where, you know, I, I really was trying to play by society's playbook. And I'm one of that those people that's in that really weird transition um, in society where I graduated high school in 1999 and went to college right away. And when I went to college as a freshman, I was part of the class at the University of Denver where we were the first university in the whole of the United States to have a laptop requirement for incoming freshmen. And it was like this huge deal and they spun it as this marketing thing and they called the University of Denver the Harvard of the West, <laughs> whatever. Uh, everybody laughed at that. But uh, And then I didn't get my first cell phone until I was a sophomore in college. And so I'm one of those people who grew up in the analog age, and then I kind of became an adult in the digital, digital age. And learning how to navigate the internet and <laughs> sending emails and going to work with computers was really kind of interesting. Um, but things started shifting really fast. And we can see this just even in the past 10 years or since Apple really became a thing with iPhones and smartphones came out and how quickly our society has evolved or devolved, depending on your opinion about that. But the way that I was raised and the way that all my friends were raised and my contemporaries were raised was by the old playbook of our parents' generation, which is you go to college, you get a degree, you graduate, you get a job, you start climbing the corporate ladder, you start a family, like it's boom, 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 boom. And you 
look at now all the possibilities that younger generations have or, or people younger than me, even though technically I'm, a, I'm, what do they call that? Millennial? What do they call that millennial? Oh my God. I don't have the right to be in that age category. <laughs> Maybe I should be in the boomer category. Um, and so it's, the, the rules have completely changed. Like, yes, you still go to college perhaps to get a degree, but the internet has changed everything. And you can be successful. You can have a career. You can make money without climbing the corporate ladder, without following the old rules. And so because I fell into this really strange in-between no man's land, I think that's what really set me up to feel lost. And I was in this place where I was partying a lot and I was trying to have a job and then I went back to school and I just couldn't find anything where I felt grounded, where I felt connected, where I felt stable. You graduate college and then it's just like, bye, see you later. (laughs) And I went to a private school and so everybody had come from all over the country to be there. And so you graduate and then everybody leaves and, and goes back to where they came from or where they're getting a job and... I wasn't from Colorado, so I didn't really have family there. And it's just all of a sudden this mass exodus. And then kind of the question is, what now? And I think that's a really dangerous place to be in. What now? When you don't feel like you actually have the tools to answer that question. Yeah, I had a university degree, but (laughs) that really is useless when it comes to navigating life and asking questions of inquiry, which unless you're maybe a philosophy major in college, you're not really taught how to do that and and dive a little deeper into what makes you you, what makes you tick, what lights you up, what are you passionate about, what are you here to do? Like these kinds of questions that are so urgent, (laughs) so important for every person to ask, but I would even argue most important for people in that age. 18 to 25, we should be teaching our children, teenagers, young adults, whatever we want to call them, we should be teaching them yoga. We should be teaching them tools of inquiry. And I think that would prevent so much of the heartache. And I mean, they call it the the quarter life crisis now (laughs) when people at age 25 are freaking out because they don't know what they're doing with their life. And on one hand, I think there are some people who really need more discipline and structure. and But in general, I don't think it's a lot of these people's fault. I think it is because there's a, a systemic failure from society to teach us to ask questions related to our spirit. It's all about the mind. What kind of grades are you getting? What were your test scores? And so I look back now on my personal experience, which is really all I can speak to, And I am absolutely not surprised at all. I graduate college. I felt like I didn't have a direction. I felt like I didn't have tools. And of course, going out to the bars and partying and self-destructive behavior seemed like a good idea. (laughs) And it took me to some really dark places. And it took me uh, to, to this place that was so yucky and so deep within myself and I couldn't find a way out and I couldn't 
really think about a way out. Like they're just, I didn't feel like I had a lifeline and my parents are amazing and they were involved the whole time and going to different doctors and trying different medications and, um, going to therapy, which, which was the one thing actually that did help talk therapy. And I found a great therapist and I, to this day, I'm a huge proponent of going to therapy. And the reason why I loved it for me at that time and, and wish it was a little more acceptable in Norway, wish there were a little bit more options for therapy here. Um, but that's, that's for another time. (laughs) Um, just as a sidebar, my experience in Norway, talking to different people is, you know, mental health is really not as talked about or as open as it is in the U.S., where in the U.S., like, it's no big thing. Everybody has a therapist. Everybody wants a therapist. Everybody wants to go to therapy and, quote, unquote, do the work. <laughs> but in Norway, it's, it's kind of still looked at as something shameful. And, like, you have a serious psychiatric problem if you want to go see a therapist. And really, I think everybody should see a therapist, whether you think you're having mental health issues or not, because it's, it's a tune-up. And most importantly, it's a low barrier of entry into the work of self-inquiry. And for me, that's exactly what it was, where all of a sudden, once a week, I would go and I would have this time and space to be incredibly selfish and open and honest about how I felt and trying to unravel and make sense of my actions, my behaviors, my thoughts, trying to get to the bottom of why I was acting out in the way I was, why I felt the way I did. And surprise, surprise, guess what the answer is? (laughs) I was having a crisis of spirit. A crisis of spirit. And as soon as I was able to figure that out, which again, this took years (laughs) to figure out exactly what was going on, um, everything all of a sudden opened up for me. I was like, oh, okay, I have an answer that really resonates with me. No, I don't need to be on antidepressants. No, I'm not bipolar. No, I'm not an alcoholic. No, I'm not X, Y, and Z. It's that I, I have lost connection to the essence of myself. And that's what living and leaving your legacy is all about. How can we get closer to connection with ourself and with source? Like, the purest essence of who we are, and then allow that to infuse our actions, thoughts, and behaviors in the human realm. And sometimes this idea could come because we, we are starting to do it for other people, but if it's true for ourselves, it will start to then morph into something we do and become just for ourselves. So I'll explain what I think about that or what I mean by that. Um, I would say most people want to be good humans. (laughs) And so, well, what does that mean? What's a good human? All right, well, you pick up after yourself and you're kind and you're considerate and you're not a bully and um, you try to be polite to other people. Like these are in general the types of things most people would probably say about being a good human. Like don't be a jerk. (laughs) And a lot of times we want to do that because we want to fit into society and we want people to like us. We're, we're pack animals at our core as human mammals. And 
I think we don't want to be ostracized. We want, we crave connection. We crave to be seen and to be understood. And so we do conform to certain behaviors that are deemed to be better than others. But then what happens is maybe we take it a step further and we start identifying. So that's what we do for other people. But then we start identifying our own core values. So core values inform our legacy. Now, core values are the things that are absolutely non-negotiable for us. And the thing about core values is it's not something that other people get to decide. We get to decide. So you have to be really honest with yourself. And there's a couple of different ways to start this process of thinking about it and Um, one of the coolest ways is there's a lot of different like, um, values decks or cards. I'm trying to think of what they're called. Um, but they have what, basically what they are is they have one word, thought, concept, um, something on it. Like, for example, fame, family. Friendship, laughter, love, children, and nature. Just one word things. And and you have this whole stack of cards. And then essentially what you do is you go through and you flip them over so you can't see them. And you go through and very intuitively you start flipping them over one at a time. And you're a yes or a no. Does it resonate with you? until you get down to a stack of say 20 and then everything else you discard and you have 20 and then you go through that 20 yes or no get down to 10 and then you have your top 10 core values things that really resonate with you like what what's important to you how do you want to be and then you can get down to your top five and then maybe even your top one core value um so this was actually something i started doing with my therapist back in the US. And I did it once a year on my birthday. And I absolutely loved it. It was it was so cool to kind of put into put into words what I what I was trying to clarify. And I think that's a big thing for most of us is like, okay, well, cool. Great, Jessica, I know what you're talking about. But how do I do it? How do I get there? And an exercise like this can be really great. And the fun thing was for me for a couple years in a row, my top core value was grace. And I, I love the idea of grace so much and, and everything that it encompasses forgiveness, beauty, a sense of ease. And then at some point though, it no longer was my top, my top core value. It still was a core value, but I no longer needed it to be my number one focus because I'd worked with it for so long. Something else came in and took its place. And that's the cool thing is like we, we can shift and we can change and we can evolve. And hopefully we are as humans, (laughs) but it's just, it's a, it's a great way to put down who you are. And so if you don't have access to these decks, I've looked online, they're kind of hard to find. Um, You can 
just write it down, like make a huge list, everything in a notebook. What is important to you? And it's just one word answers, write them out, write them out, write them out, write them out. And then go through and circle your top 10. And then from that top 10, circle your top five. And this is a great check-in exercise to point you in the right direction. And when you start to then live your legacy, when you start to actively become the person you want to be, and you're aware of it, and you're working towards it, somehow it magically becomes a little bit more easeful. And what we think about, what we practice, we do become. And and then once we've become that, everything that we do is in alignment. Our actions are in alignment. Our words are in alignment. Our choices are in alignment. And it's kind of this idea of recalibrating your heart and your soul and your mind to your northern star. And that was one of the things for myself that I really worked on is is I was checking in. I was like, okay, well, what is my northern star? And using that as an analogy for where am I going? (laughs) When we talk about the northern star, usually it's in reference to back in the day when the sailors would be navigating the high seas and they're trying to figure out where they're going, they could use the Northern Star as like the touchstone. It's like, oh, okay, there's the Northern Star. So from there we can find all the other constellations and stars to guide us at night and and people would get to where they were going (laughs) using the Northern Star. So for yourself, what's your Northern Star? Where are you going? And how are you going to get there? And, you know, these are massive questions that take a lot of time to answer. And you might not have the answer to how are you getting there. But when you start being more in alignment with your core values, then you are living your legacy. And all of a sudden, answers start to pop up along the way. You're like, oh, cool. Doors start to open. You start to meet people who are on the same vibrational frequency as you. And I will say, when you start meeting people who are on the same frequency as you and are on the same path as you and interested in the same things as you, all of a sudden your circle of influence (laughs) starts to lift you up. It really elevates you. And it gives you like this momentum and this excitement and this encouragement to keep going. Like keep doing the work, keep excavating into who you are and what your essence is. And, you know, a big part of that for me was self-forgiveness and realizing that I'm not a bad person and I have a lot to offer to the world. And through that self-forgiveness came the grace. From the grace, I developed confidence. From confidence, it turned into bravery and courage. And I went out And I was able to create a life that I'm so proud of and that I'm so like excited by. And then all of a sudden the people around me, I look around, I'm like, huh, wow, I don't have any shitty friends. (laughs) I'm not really surrounded by people who are jerks because I have built up my core values and I'm living my legacy and there's not even room for me to waste. And, and I love that. And I think that's possible for absolutely everybody. But we have to be very intentional. It takes time. It takes patience. And when we up-level our lives in such a way, we lose tolerance for people who are not on board with us. 
And I think that's a wonderful thing. And it can be hard, hard to say no to friendships, hard to say no to family sometimes when maybe they're not on the same program you are, or more likely, maybe they don't understand why you're taking self-development so seriously. But here's the thing. When you start living your legacy, which is how you show up in the world, and when you do it for long enough, people notice and people start to know who you are. And, and I mean that not like, oh, she likes pizza and <laughs> rap music or whatever it is. But no, like they start to know who you are as a human. And it's such a beautiful thing to witness. I see it happen a lot in yoga teacher trainings when we talk about things like this, maybe not in this exact way, but um, all of a sudden our mind starts to open in a way we'd never considered before. And yoga gives us a lot of tools for the inquiry, for how we should act with integrity, for how we can be leaders. And, And that changes us because, again, we're learning tools that we probably didn't learn in our families of origin, that we probably didn't learn from mainstream society, certainly not from reality TV and Instagram influencers, most of them. So where are we getting our information from? How are we trusting our source? And for me, I find, I strive to find other people who are living their legacy. And it makes me think there's this really wonderful quote, which is something like, we don't remember what people gave us, but we remember how people made us feel. And I think about that a lot. We don't have to have the coolest clothes. We don't have to have the trendiest haircut. We don't have to have the most expensive training or education or university degree. But are we genuine? Are we real? Can we connect with others? Do we make other people feel good when they're around us? And and in a balanced way, in a a way with boundaries, not like people please are like, oh, what do you need? What do you need? What can I get for you? (laughs) Not like that. But in a way that's like, hey, I see what you're doing. I think it's awesome. And can we support one another without slipping into the fear or scarcity mentality of like, oh, well, if somebody else is doing well, or if somebody else is succeeding, then then that means there's not enough for me. No. When we live our legacy, we're confident in who we are. We're confident in our offerings to the world in every way. And when we're in that place, we're in a space of peace. It's just like this deep trust within that we've worked hard to achieve and attain. And so when we're thinking about living our legacy too, and we're thinking about our circle of influence, um, sometimes we are lucky to have that be our family or friends who are already in our life. And for me, I take a lot of who I strive to be from my parents, from my mom and from my dad. And For me, the core values that I really focus on, especially as a business owner and as a leader in the yoga community, how how can I be fair? How can I be understanding? How can I be transparent? How can I be trustworthy? Oh, my God. (laughs) Trustworthy. How can I act with integrity and you know, I do. I talk about integrity a lot because it's very important to me. And 
I do, I say this in teacher training a lot also, like when we act with integrity all the time, then nobody ever questions our motives. Nobody ever questions that we're being shady or doing something wrong or have a weird motive. When we act with integrity and we show up with integrity, then we are a person of integrity and that shines through. And then people understand and they take us at our word and and they trust that we always are striving to do the best and be the best that we can. And these are ideas that I've learned from my parents. And, and my dad is a successful businessman who's very well respected and liked. <laughs> can you be a leader who is empowering people around them rather than being a leader who rules with fear or disdain for other people? And for me, that gives me something to always strive for and work towards. Even when I think I'm doing a good job, I'm, I'm still always trying to think of a way to be even better and to up-level. And I really consider this to be sattvic living also because it's getting out of ego and getting into service. And for me, that's really important. That's one of my core values. Like, how am I being of service? How can I show up with compassion, with grace, and unapologetically one of my favorite words, (laughs) unapologetically be authentic to my essence. And when I'm in that space and I have that confidence, it's, it's like being unshakable. And even when weird things happen, especially in the wellness world, (laughs) because they do, it's not that big of a deal because I can, I can rebound back because I always have trust and faith in myself. And that is how I live my legacy and ultimately will leave my legacy for whatever short time period I do (laughs) is in, you know, leaving your legacy isn't necessarily when you die. It's perhaps when you change communities or you move or, um, something else happens. It's again, what are you leaving behind that you've cultivated in the present moment? And what do people, what are people's opinions of you? And not in the way of like, Oh my God, what do people think of me? And like, do people like me? Not in that way. But in the way of like, oh, okay, people do like me. And I think of all of the people that I've met in Norway and and the people that have come through the Atman Yoga School, and it's just such beautiful people and committed to doing the work and committed to moving forward. And everybody is living their legacy. And it's the coolest thing to watch and to witness and And to be able to be part of, and I think that's really what drives me with running the Atman Yoga School is, yeah, I can teach you to be a strong yoga teacher. Absolutely. The skills and techniques to guide an asana practice. But more importantly than that, more important to me is, can you live your yoga off the mat? (laughs) Can you adapt those tools to elevate yourself and then in turn elevate your community? That's what it means to live your legacy, to leave your legacy, is you leave your community, your family, your space, your society better because you were in it. And to me, like, that's also one of my my biggest thoughts on who I am personally and and what I'm here to do. And I do talk about this occasionally um, as part of my dharma and and running the Atman Yoga School and being a teacher and and helping guide people in yoga 
is I really think I'm here to be a catalyst. And for me, that's a core value. Can I be a connector? Can I bridge the gap between who do I want to be? How do I show up in the world? Where am I going? Those questions. Can I help bridge them to the answers? Can I help people get pointed in the right direction? And, you know, all we can ever do is speak to our own experience. And for me, my own experience comes from what I learned from yoga, what I learned from deep contemplation and self-inquiry. And I am to my core, (laughs) no pun intended with core values, but to my core, lit up, fired up, passionate, on fire to get more people connected to their truth. And so that's what I'm doing. That's what I think my job is. And that's my highest calling is like, all right, cool. How can I help guide other people through this process? And you guys, I don't have all the answers, (laughs) certainly not, but I have some answers and I have some experiences that have worked for me and, and have led me to a place of, of deep peace within. And it's such a night and day experience from my early twenties to now my late (laughs) thirties, 39. I just had my birthday. Um, and as I'm about to welcome my baby into the world here very soon, um, it feels so good to be like, Oh, all right. I know who I am. I know I'm here. I know what work I'm, I'm, I've been called to do, but I'm in my late (laughs) thirties. So the takeaway is this doesn't happen overnight, but it happens when we're persistent and we're patient and we are just excited to move beyond pain and suffering that's natural for all of us at certain points in our life. And yeah, can we leave our world a better place than we found it? Can we be a person of integrity and joy and kindness? So yogis, I hope that this gives you something to think about. And until we meet again in season five, uh, you can go back, listen to other episodes of the One Sacred Pause podcast. Feel free to reach out. Um, I get so many lovely messages from people and it just, it warms my heart because I do this for the joy of it, for the fun of it, for the connection of it, to have these conversations and, and trust and hope that people who listen, who like it are going to get something from it. And if people don't like it and don't listen, No skin off my nose. (laughs) All right, everyone, be well, be safe, be happy. Namaste.